Hey, welcome to Dapper Dividends number 45 on September 11th, 2020. So what I'm going to talk about tonight is obviously 9-11, since it is 9-11. You can catch all my dividend activity. I did have quite a bit of buys today, went on a little bit of a buying spree, and I will be doing a dividend roundup tomorrow. So if you do want to hear that, if that is what you are here for, then I will have that on my website if you want to check it out. I uh, did initiate a position into Microsoft in my self-directed IRA and into Kimberly Clark in my taxable. So kind of exciting things going on. Initiated two brand new, brand new positions. So 9-11, very, very heavy day. Um, always has a weird feeling around it. I was 23 when the attacks happened. I was living in an apartment with my then girlfriend, now wife, in Clarendon Hills, Illinois, just down the street from where I am at right now. And yeah, it was a very, one of those days that you'll never forget. Everybody talks about the Kennedy assassination. My grandfather was 49 when Kennedy was assassinated in 1963. And he said it is something he always remembered. He always remembered exactly where he was, what he was doing. And this was, and I we've even talked about it. He was alive until 2005. So he was alive for uh, the 9-11 attacks. And he said it was one of those days, 9-11 and the Kennedy assassination are just two of those things, those major earth shattering world stopping events. And, you know, it's funny. Here's a thought. The thing about those things is that no matter how bad something is, the 9-11 attacks, Kennedy assassination, um, the Holocaust, World War II, Hiroshima, life goes on. No matter what happens, life is going to go on. Uh, that's something you can use in your life that no matter what tragedy happens, it's it's unfortunate, but the world is just going to keep going on with or without you. So, if something happened that you can't change, just remember that we are powerless to change the past. Move on. It's easier said than done, I understand. Um, you know, thinking back, there's there's some hard things that have gone on in your life and in, and in my life that have been hard to move on from. But, I mean, time really does heal all wounds. As I remember, on I was just talking with my wife about this, on September 12th, uh, we were very unified as a country. They were selling out of American flags. Everybody was, for better lack of phraseology, we're just proud to be an American. And that has faded over time as I look across the, the landscape now and I just see people at each, other, at each other's throats over this upcoming election and this president. And I, as you know me, I'm in the middle. I'm fine with either one winning because as I say, I'm a winner and winners win, and I'm going to do whatever I can to succeed and to improve my life and control and focus on the things that I can control. I can't control who's going to get into office. And if it's bad enough, this is why you need money, because money is a tool. Money is not the root of all evil, just as a fork can't be the root of all evil. It is a tool. It doesn't make people anything. People are using that tool to do whatever they're going to do. So we are powerless to change the past. And it was a very strange day. I was 23. I had 
I got out of the Navy in September of 1999. So it was almost two years to the day I got out on September 19th, 1999. So it was almost two years of the day that I got out of the Navy and I was working, installing some dock seals. I was still not even two years into my career, what I'm still doing now. It does pay well. So that's, that's something that it has going for it. And it was bright, not a cloud in the sky, just sunny. And this was before smartphones. I didn't have a smartphone. I did have a cell phone though. So I had a cell phone, one of the old, I believe it was one of my flip phones that I had. And I used to listen to this college radio station called WONC out of Naperville, Illinois, 89.1. I still remember it. And, you know, I would have it on loud enough so I could hear the music. And they had a morning show, just a college radio station, local uh, college over here in Naperville, Illinois. And the one host, I remember he made a joke and he said something about, about, Oh, what do you think this guy was drunk? Do you think uh, flying into the the skyscraper? He's like, hello, how do you how do you hit a skyscraper? He's like, good, Lord. you know. And they had said they thought it was a, a small little twin engine plane. So initially, I was like, oh wow, that's that's pretty weird that uh, plane hit the the tower. Um, I don't remember then if I. Oh, actually. I called uh, called one of my bosses uh, or one of the field bosses because I had a question about what I was doing because I was new, and he said, "What do you think about these this plane hitting the uh, the the um, World Trade Center? That's pretty crazy stuff, huh?" And he said, "Do you think you did it on purpose?" And I was like, "Nah." I'm like, "Come on, that's just probably some some beginner pilot flew his plane into the building and hopefully not too many people other than him died." Yeah, <laughs> I remember saying that. And then I don't remember if my girlfriend called me or if I called her, but we were talking on the phone about it. And she was like, yeah, there's all this smoke, you know, billowing, billowing out. And I couldn't see any of this because I didn't have a smartphone and I was just on a job site in Batavia. I don't remember the name of the company, but I still remember the building. I can still see exactly how my truck was, um, exactly how everything was. It's just emblazoned upon my mind. And... Sure enough, she we were talking and the second plane hit and, you know, she couldn't believe it. I, I was just dumbfounded. I, what, what do you mean a second plane hit? It, like, are you sure? Like, you know, she's like, oh, my God, I, I just saw it right. Here. You know, so we, we shared that moment together. And um, so she watched that unfold and I, <laughs> I, I must have stayed on the phone with her for an hour. And then I put on the major news stations and, you know, more news started coming in. And then you knew it was clear. Like, And I, I, I even remember telling her, I, I was on inactive reserve. So in the military, what you do is the way I did it, I had signed up for a three-year enlistment and then I had a six-year inactive reserve, meaning that there was the drilling reserves where you would go one month out of the weekend and two weeks out of the year, you would have to go on active duty. And that, then that was the active reserves, but I was in the inactive reserve, which meant if the way things go, so there's the active military, then there's the active reservists, and then the next lineup is the inactive reservists, which was me, and then the last thing after that would be the draft, which I vehemently disagree with drafts. If there is a 
purpose that is big enough. People will not need to be drafted. You do not, the government does not own your life. They cannot conscript you and force you to sacrifice your life for something you may not believe in. If there is a cause big enough and people's lives are at risk, people will defend themselves. This is something I firmly believe, and I believe the draft to be unconstitutional. So with that being said, the draft is the last line. So after what I was, I was an inactive reservist. And I remember telling her, well, this is, I think we're at war. We don't know who did this, what country. And we didn't know how bad it was going to get. And if I was going to have to go back to, uh, to the Navy. So it was, uh, it was scary. And then we heard the attack on the Pentagon and then the plane that crashed in, uh, just near what Cam, uh, Cam David, I think, or in Pennsylvania. And, yeah, that was um, that was a hell of a day. That was one day I'll always remember. And it was, you know, I didn't even see any TV till I got back to the shop. They had a little TV. And, of course, everybody was huddled around it, and we were watching the come down the whole. It was just surreal. And the first time that I actually heard of Osama bin Laden, we were in the Middle East. I was on my uh, West Pack, they call it, the six-month deployment. Uh, a car- carrier groups they cycle through deployments and our carrier group it was its time we were switching home ports so we sailed out of so my ship I was on was the USS John C. Stennis and it was built in Newport News Virginia and then it was over in across the uh, the Chesapeake Bay in Norfolk Naval Air Station Norfolk which is where we just went this, this January and the ship was going through sea trials, they call it. So basically, they try to break the ship. Every new ship, they do whatever they can to try and make it fail. They want to make sure it's battle ready and that it is fleet ready. So I was on the very, very tail end. I was not commissioned. So if you are on, if you are a member of a ship while it is commissioned, on the day it's commissioned, you are called in the Navy a plank owner. So ships had wooden planks back in the day, walk the plank, and they would call you, you owned part of that plank forever. You were a plank owner. So I missed being a plank owner, I think, by five or six months. So I got on the ship in January of 97, and we left in February, February, we left in February, as I say it, of 1998. And we were switching home port because it was a West Coast carrier. So we were going to be home ported in San Diego, California, which turned out to be incredible. Because let me tell you, if you are from Norfolk, Virginia Beach is nice. I liked Virginia Beach, but it is the armpit of the Eastern Seaboard. I say it is a terrible place that city has grown up with the Navy for hundreds of years, literally. And they're just kind of, they're, they're not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're not in enthralled with the Navy. They're not, as in San Diego, when people would see sailors, oh, it's a novelty. Hey, look, we got a sailor here. It was they try and took advantage of sailors. So anyways, wasn't a big fan of Norfolk. So I was happy to be in San Diego when we got there. We spent, uh, so if you, I don't know if you remember, but right around the time we left is when we left Norfolk in February of 1998. And that is when Osama bin Laden declared the fatwa against Americans and wanted killed, wanted them killed. He declared a holy war. 
So this was big news and they thought something was flaring up. So the carrier I was on, since it was brand new, we were supposed to go to a bunch of Mediterranean ports. We were supposed to go to, I believe, England, Spain, Italy, uh, Portugal, I think, coastal towns. And then we were going to go to the Middle East for a little bit and then down to Australia and uh, I think Singapore. And it just all these, it was supposed to be like they were joking the luxury cruise. Well, after this happened, the George Washington was the carrier. The GW was over on station in the Gulf. So we had to hightail it over there because they didn't know what was going on and it was time for the GW to go home. So instead of them getting embroiled into something that was just starting to bubble up, we set the speed record to get from Norfolk to on station in the Persian Gulf. I I don't remember. I wish I did, but it was quick. I believe it was... I want to say maybe eight or nine days. We did lose a day for the Suez Canal. We had to, you have to be tugboated through the Suez Canal. And there's a Navy tradition called uh, run the ditch. So you do the ditch. There's something called a steel beach party. On the flight deck, they have, they grill. Um, there's no no alcohol on Navy vessels. So <laughs> there's no alcohol. Uh, we would grill and music and it's kind of a, a relaxing day not a whole lot to do there's obviously no flight ops because they're not landing jets on the deck while it's going through the Suez Canal and we just sped I remember people waving there's there's France there's uh there's France and all those cities on uh, this when we gone through the Straits of Gibraltar uh you know a lot of people were pissed because they thought they were going on this nice worldwide luxury cruise <laughs> did not happen so we uh, we were in the Persian Gulf for, well, they had t-shirts made up actually that showed all the ports we were supposed to hit and, it, and over the cities we didn't go to. It said canceled, sold out, sold out, canceled like a concert shirt. We didn't get to go. That stunk, but we were in the Middle East for quite some time. We were there for, we did the Centurion, which was over a hundred days on station in the Persian Gulf. And we only saw three ports we saw uh, in the United Arab Emirates, there was two of them. There was Jabal Ali and there was Dubai. And Dubai looked nothing like it did today. This was Dubai of 1998. It was the first time I ever saw an Ikea store, oddly enough, inside of a westernized shopping mall. I did not realize that they said, uh, we were told that this there was a lot of English and Russian people there, I remember, as they said, this is where they went for holiday, a lot of them, because it was beautiful. It was their version of Florida or California, as I was told. So we would go to Jabal Ali and um, Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. And then there was a little island off the coast of Saudi Arabia called Bahrain. And we would go to their capital city, Manama. And we went there three times. I think we hit Dubai three times and... We hit Jabal Ali twice. Uh, we did like the thing about Jabal Ali was that they had tankers that would pull there and big cargo ships, so they had piers for us to pull alongside. Now, the thing about a naval vessel with a port uh, where it can't pull in, if, I don't know if you've been on a cruise ship or not, but you cannot just, um, you can't be out you have to be out and see if you can't pull in and they have to run Liberty boats and it's a big pain in the butt. It takes forever to get off the boat. So anyway, I'm, I'm kind of wandering here, but 
this is building. So we were out, we would be out for maybe two and a half weeks or so without seeing land, maybe three weeks. So we were out for three weeks and we were supposed to go to Dubai. And I remember floating off the coast of Dubai, we could see the buildings and we were, people were in their civilian clothes and we were getting ready. We were all excited. All right, we'll blow off some steam. You get to be on land for a few days. Uh, unless you had duty that day. So the way it works is that when a ship pulls into port, you have uh, duty sections. So they can't just leave the ship unmanned. You have to have people on there still working. So they would split us. If we were there for four days, they would split us into four duty sections. And every shop and every division would have uh, split into four. And you got put into one. And sometimes you would have duty the very first day. So you'd pull into port after being out for three weeks. And you could not go on shore and people would come back. They would be drunk and telling stories about things they did. And you know, you knew you were going to get your turn the next day. So it wasn't that bad. Fast forward now. So we're getting back to my story. Fast forward. We were sitting off the coast of, of Dubai, Saudi Arabia, and they came over to the one MC, which is the intercom, the intercom system, the one MC and they had an announcement. They said that there was a uh, billionaire, uh, uh, Osama bin Laden, and he would not be able. Uh, they said, I'm sorry, something lit up on my phone. It was about the uh, the, the, the uh, Giants and Padres game. I should turn this thing off. Anyways, guys, <laughs> I'm back. Thank you. So we, uh, we were floating off the coast and they came over the one MC and they said we were not able to go on shore. We were going to have to go back out to sea because there was a decree made by Osama bin Laden that there was a, it was the eve of an uh, historical event, some Muslim historical event, something that happened. And to celebrate, he wanted, uh, American, uh, citizens, preferably American, uh, preferably American military members killed. That was what his orders were. So they said there is too high of a threat level. We have to go back out to sea. I remember them saying everybody, uh, you know, back into your uh, uniform of the day, back into your uniforms, uh, you know, basically work, work will recommence. That sucked. I remember how upset I was. And then just, you know, started pulling away and Saudi Arabia got smaller and smaller till it was gone. And we were out about another three weeks. So all in all, we were out for anywhere between five to six weeks without seeing land and well, setting foot on land. <laughs> we technically saw it. We were close. Uh, we could see the birds and, and hear, um, hear the traffic, but we couldn't go on land. So couldn't go ashore. Not for us. That was the first time I heard. And I thought, this is this is not quite right that we have such a presence over here. And granted, I was only 19 at the time, but uh, I still had that feeling that that maybe we shouldn't have such be meddling over in the Middle Eastern affairs. And I know it had been going on since before I was born uh, with the Shah of Iran, and and it, it just it's something that I think stems from the 1950s and. Uh, you know, Bin Laden didn't like our support of Israel and meddling and uh, meddling in the Middle East and killing Muslims in Chechnya and, and Bosnia, you know, with Clinton, who was the president at the time when I was in. So it was just a uh, 
we had to go back out and that was the first time I heard of Osama bin Laden and then again his name popped up after 9-11 and it was just surreal I remember thinking that's that's the guy that's the reason we couldn't go ashore that one time in July of 1998 we couldn't go go on shore um and then in August of 98, I remember it was the embassy bombings, but we were on our way to uh, to Australia at that time. We got to go to Perth, Western Australia and Hobart, Tasmania. So just a very, you know, I had my lunch break today. I watched some videos and I, I teared up. It's just such an emotional day because I lived through it and we didn't know what was happening. And a lot of people, a couple thousand people lost their lives. And it's just a very tragic day that we should not forget. Uh, I was just talking to my daughters. We actually had not shown them. They had not seen any of the footage for 9-11. They kind of knew what it was, but they hadn't really experienced it. And they, you know, felt sad. Sorry. Sorry for all the people that lost their lives. What are you going to do? I I told them it's, it's really just a tragedy. But like I told you guys, life goes on. And that may sound cold or callous to say, but that tragic event happened and the only thing we can do is move forward and and try to heal and think how can we prevent this from happening again and unfortunately in my mind in my opinion we're still over in the middle east uh was not a fan of that i you know i missed 912 i missed when we were all americans and as I, as i said earlier we we ran out of flags and it's just sad. You know, you forget time heals all wounds. It, it's true for better or for worse. How many people I know since then have, have gotten married and divorced. There's been people that have taken their own lives. There's fights, just bad things people have done. And it really is, uh, it's unfortunate that we can't be unified as a, not just a country, but a world. I think it's in human nature you know, I, I guess I'm a dreamer like John Lennon, you know, just imagine. I love that. Uh, maybe that would have been a more apropos song that I than what I picked tonight. But it's, you know, it's my show and it's, uh, um, yeah. So I, my daughters, they're they're finding out about it today. They've kind of known they, they would hear 9-11, but we, uh, for better or worse, you know, shielded them from some things. And it's the cold world. You know, there's a thing I like to say that, Anyone at any time for any reason can lose their life. It doesn't matter. It could be the stupidest thing. It could be a branch falling on you from a tree while you're going for a walk. It doesn't matter. If you're on this planet and you're breathing oxygen, you're game. Everybody is game at any time for any reason. So try and think positive of it. I like to use this day as a day to remind myself of how we all felt on September 12th that I just felt a little closer to everybody I saw and I appreciate my family and my kids and I just look around and everything I'm thankful for. Yes, I'm working for increase and we're all working for increase and we just lose sight of that sometimes that life is fleeting and it is precious and it does go quick. So just take a moment after you hear this just just to think what you are thankful for anything. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's uh, it's a chair in your house. You have a chair in a house to get and sit down to that I'm assuming is climate controlled. There are kings and queens hundreds of years ago that did not know what television was. They had to have jesters brought in. They didn't have 
air conditioning. They didn't have fans. People had to do all that. So we get to experience things that kings and queens and the wealthiest of the wealthy did not have. Henry Ford, as wealthy as he was, did not have the internet. You do. We're community. community. <laughs> I got to take a sip of water here. I'm, I'm going to end it here. But we are communicating with each other through this beautiful thing called the internet. And take a minute. Think about what you have. Think about everything you own. Think of the things you want. Be thankful for what you do have. And keep working toward those things that you don't have because we all want increase in our lives. We're all seeking that increase. The song of the show is by a punk band uh, that I like. I've kind of gotten away from them. I was real big into them before they were called, or they are called Anti-Flag. The song is called 911 for Peace. They wrote this song shortly after the September 11th, 2001 attacks. It is my song of the show. I linked, it's in Dapper Dividends. Uh, Go to YouTube, Dapper Dividends Podcast. Listen to it. Look at the lyrics. I like it. And as they say, it's, it's peace. It's all about peace. I'm sad that my fellow countrymen can't reconcile their differences and things do seem to be getting worse now. It's, it's the silly season of elections, election fever, as they call it. Things will settle down regardless of who wins. I hope at this point, I I don't care. I just want whoever's going to do best for the country and do best for the people at large. You can't please all the people all the time. (laughs) And all those people were listening to my show. (laughs) It's an old Mitch Hedberg joke, a funny comedian, Mitch Hedberg. Uh, Again, he lost his life, overdosed on heroin. Very funny, very brilliant, but he burned out big bright star and he burned out the the brightest stars burn out the quickest they say all right guys i'm going to get out of here uh do so a little bit of reflecting think about what you're thankful for and if you weren't around to remember september 12th it was a day that everybody felt a little bit closer and nobody was arguing with each other we were all trying to think what could we do to move forward and be more unified as a human race I will talk to all y'all on Tuesday.